All right, we're here uh, with Andy O'Reilly, and so glad you could make it over here. Thanks for having me. To my little basement studio. I love it. <laughs> Everybody needs one of these. All of us old broadcasters need our own little studio That's somewhere. That's right. That's right. It's like the guy that likes to work on wood. You know, you're going to have a corner somewhere where you can do what you do. Even if nobody watches it, That's you're going right. to have it in your house. That's, That's right. You got to have it. The greatest thing. But uh, yeah, and you got to make sure grandkids don't touch anything. But anyway. <laughs> so so how did you how did you get started in radio? We're talking about radio. Yeah. You're, you're a legend in radio. You've got started probably in Grand Rapids first, didn't you? Um, actually, I think I started in radio in Sparta. Um, I was about seven years old, and I, I went over to a neighbor's garage sale, and I saw this album. And, they, you know, it was 1977. And, you know, used records were a buck back then, right? Yeah. Um, and there were these guys on the front of this record, and their faces were all painted up, and there was smoke and fire everywhere. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but I have to have that. <laughs> and it was Kiss Alive One. Yeah. Um, and I went over to my, I ran back to the house and I told my mom, I said, I need a dollar. I have to have this because I, you got to see these guys. She didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but she made me rake the garden to get a dollar. Um, she gave me the dollar. Uh, I got the record and I came home with this Kiss album and right there it started. Um, I was going to be, I played records in the basement. I played, uh, you know, I would talk up the up ramps. I, would, I had Andy Radio going. Um, the first record I got before that was Saturday Night by the Bay City Rollers. So I was. it was really early that I knew I had an affinity toward music. I wanted to be a musician, but I couldn't play an instrument to save my life. Um, I really, really struggled with any kind of instrument, from piano to guitar to saxophone to you name it. I couldn't figure it out. And... Um, as I grew, I kept that affinity toward music. And by the time I was about 15, I knew I needed to take it out and get it on the road. So I started DJing dances at school, um, church things, stuff like that. Uh, my dad would actually have to drive me down to get the music, to rent the equipment in the van to, to go play these, these things. And, you know, back then it was milk carts full of records and yeah. cassettes and CD you know we didn't have CDs yet you know right so I'm lugging all this garbage around everywhere and that's kind of where I started to DJ um, got into high school still had the bug um, I, I hurt my neck playing football so I went and lied about my age and got a job as a bouncer uh, at a place called Top of the Rock and that's where I really saw what DJs could do I was watching these DJs at Top of the Rock command these audiences uh, these these dance crowds right. with what they were up there playing and what they were up there doing and I, I'm like that's when the, the drug really hit right. um, so I got a little taste of it there um, and then from school uh, when I graduated about five months after I graduated I got an internship in Grand Rapids at KLQ um, and I wasn't going to leave, period. I ended up working till they gave me a job for six bucks an hour. Um, one year, almost to the day that I graduated, was my first night on the air. Um, I think people really think that the you, you know DJs get some big bucks when they when they get on. No, it was like it was six dollars an hour to start. Yeah. Um, I I remember the first night. Um, I had practiced for months in the in the production studio trying to sound like I was going to be on the air. Um, the first night I went on, it was, it was weird because it kind of tied both my worlds together. Um, I had went back to my high school and DJed their prom uh, at Grand Haven. They had it in Grand Haven. 
loaded up the car, went back to the radio station. Sunday morning, 3 a.m., I got my first hour on the air. Um, and the guy left the studio. I was on. And after months and months of practice, I pushed that on button on the microphone for the first time, and I blacked out. <laughs> I freaked out. Um, the first song I ever introduced was It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. I screwed that up. And then when I got done talking, instead of shutting the mic off, I shut the song off. <laughs> and I managed not to swear or do anything bad or anything like that, but I made it through my first hour, um, and that was 19... That was 1989. That that's when that started. Wow. Yeah. And then so you you moved from there to. I went from that six dollar an hour kid uh, at KLQ to the assistant program director there. Okay. Um, I was very very fortunate in the fact that most radio people spend half their career bouncing from town to town all over the all over the country. Um, I had some of the most incredible mentors. And people that genuinely looked out for me um, behind the scenes. Um, from Lynn Ike, who gave me my internship and put up with me when I was so young and so eager and so in your face to get something. You know, I would, I would, I would work day and night. I, I remember sleeping on the floor. I remember eating leftovers after remotes. I remember... Um, taking it from the other jocks who were older and saltier and and all this other kind of stuff but as i grew and they watched the desire for me to to do what i was going to do um they they all kind of realized that they had they had somebody here that was interested and they they, they needed to nurse me along so uh instead of taking that path where you go from town to town i went up through the through the ranks at one radio station so I think I went from $6 an hour to $13 an hour to f after about four year, three or four years, I got a full-time job at sixteen grand. Um, and then from there, I started working my way up. Um, I, you know, great names. People like Dave Wellington, who taught me how the mechanics of building a radio station work, how to build a format, what a radio station clock looks like. Um, air talent like rick beckett who who face to face was he was very callous he was very hard he was very um he was very uh what's the word i want to look for um he was he was he was an old dog um and he had no problem making sure that you understood that this was not a very easy business and you weren't going to get a cushion with him um but on the other side of rick too when Rick knew I wasn't home, or you know, maybe my parents were wondering if I, this, this, their idiot was getting this right, Rick would actually call my parents' house and tell them not to worry because Andy's getting this right, and we're making sure he's on the right path. Okay. Um, so I had I had great tutors, great mentors, and I got to throw a shout in to Mike Tennis too, who was really the one that watched me um, grow in steps, step. And then Mike finally just cut the cord. He said, go do your thing. And he just cut me loose and let me be become me. Now, yeah, I got to tell you, Boatman, when I talked to him, I did interview uh, Chris. Yeah. 
and he, he you know of course he loves you yeah I love him back and uh, he talked about the one time when he, you guys were introducing a band yeah that <laughs> he said that you were he was just idolized by you and he thought man why am I up here interviewing this band when you know you're the star of the show yeah I felt the same way, um, and th- this kind of plays into more of the story about, you know, when things run out, right? Um, all my adult life, I had only known KLQ. That was the only job I had as a grown-up. Um, we had gone through some program directors. We had gone through a big morning show change. We had had some remarkably hard times at that radio station. Um, they came to me one day, and they said... Well, actually, it started off, they sent me on a trip to Canada with three busloads of listeners uh, on a ski trip, right? Yeah. I came back from that ski trip, came into work on Monday, and there wasn't even a piece of letterhead left with the old logo on it. Um, And it was explained to me that we were doing a format change. I had come to mean everything to this radio station, and everything had to change. I mean, it took me till I was 26 to get my own first apartment, and now I'm going to lose that because I'm out of a job. So, you know, I'm building what I built and all this other kind of stuff. Now I'm out on the tiles. Um, I'd always known Boat. I've always been a fan. I've always known that he was this mythical character in Muskegon that people either loved or hated. And, you know, as far as a radio personality goes, that's a great skill set because a polarizing character is is a lightning rod right Right. um i always thought the world of the guy and um they called me and they said hey what would you think about being you know mornings in muskegon i said that'd be great but what about boatman they said oh we're gonna get rid of him and i said well i'm not taking the job um so going back to the concert thing that you bring up it was cinderella at the lc walker arena and I remember Boat and I are standing back there, and there's still a picture of us. Um, Boat gets up and starts the stage introduction from the MRR point of view, and I was still on at KLQ at the time. And he went on and on about me. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing behind him, and I got my hands in my pockets, and I'm like listening to him go on and on. And I'm like, talk about the band, man. Talk about yourself. <laughs> and Boat goes on and on and on about me. So, you know, I knew we were friends, and I, and I knew that. And then coming to Muskegon, too, when they made me that offer to come to Muskegon, it's like, hey, look, you know, he's a great guy. He's a great friend. I'm not going to take his job. B, there's a lot more that's going to have to happen in Muskegon than just replacing one person on the air. Because at MRR at that time, if you look back in history over the radio thing, MRR was all fed in by a satellite other than boat and a couple hours with Bill in the afternoon. Right. Um, it, to me, it was kind of a... Uh, it was there. It was like wallpaper, though. People weren't engaged. People weren't part of the... A radio station should be part of the fabric of a community. Um, you should have a character like Boatman on there that's polarizing. You should have Bill on there who's kind of like a voice of reason. And to bring me into the middle of that was great. Um, The first year that I was there, I remember it because I'd be facing out the back of that building by the Getty and the phone would ring and, hi, MRR, kiss my ass, you're not the Boatman. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) he's just out in the afternoon. Tune in between two and six. You'll love it. He's great. <laughs> He's even awake at that time when I'm not right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
what we what we had to do when I came to Muskegon was take a, a signal and, and and give it a rebirth because yeah. you know when when MRR first came on. I was in Grand Rapids and we were in a panic. You know, we were like trying to tune it in in our office up on the 10th floor of that building. Are we going to have all this competition um, from this new station in Muskegon? Because, you know, when MRR came on, Sunny was still kind of a big deal in Muskegon. And it penetrated into Grand Rapids pretty hard, too. Right. So we were on the defensive about are we going to have another signal coming into Grand Rapids? that's going to be a heartache for us. And, you know, MRR signal doesn't get into Grand Rapids quite good enough. Um, So it really never became that much of an issue competitively, but always respected, always worked well with them. Uh, We'd see them at the Corley run. We'd see them in other promotions and things like that. We always stayed friends. Um, And I think that's, I, I think that's one of the things about radio that people, you know, you see the competition out front, but behind the scenes, you know, we're all kind of doing the same thing, and yeah. that competition's healthy, but it's also um, respectable. You know, these guys are working hard, too. Just because they're across the street doesn't make them bad. Yeah, plus you, know? you never know if you're going to be working there next week. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so you gotta you got to keep friends, but you also have to keep competitive. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned another guy, uh, Bill Marshall. You, yeah. You've known him for a long Now, did you start at the, the Getty? I did. MRR? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I first got there, there were there was just Bill, uh, Boatman, Britta, Don Pino, and myself. We were the five oh, people. Bino, that, I forgot about Bino. Yeah. We were the five people that were left in that building over by the drive-in. Okay. Um, I had actually interviewed there when I was a kid. Uh, Haas Montana had me out to interview me at Sunny FM. And I remember Haas. Yeah. Uh, I was going to take that job, but it was a dollar less an hour. And I couldn't even afford to drive to Muskegon with the car I had at the time to, to, to make that change. I could have been on Sunny FM, but um, it, ju- it just wasn't going to happen. So I couldn't, I couldn't take that job. But to come in and work in that building um, and have that experience by the drive-in, that was, that was pretty cool. And just to have yeah. five people working in there, too, plus, it's pretty amazing. Plus the idea, all the history behind that building with, yeah. with TRU and everything else. And that, that predated me. Yeah, long before. Well, so I, I don't even really even know the TRU history. I know it's there, yeah. and I know how how big it was at one point. But you know, in Sparta, we didn't spend a lot of time listening to TRU. I remember WQWQ was the big yeah. one yeah. from that we would tune in. To, my dad would tune into in Sparta. Right. <laughs> now, Bill Marshall, you've been friends with him for quite a while too, right? Great guy. Love yeah. Bill. He really do. He's uh, Bill is is he's even keel. I like um, I like Bill for his dry sense of humor. I yeah. like Bill for his um, and I got to tell you a story about Bill. Um, when I first came to town, Cheap Trek came to play Summer Celebration, and I've never told this publicly before, so this is fun. <laughs> uh, we were setting up all our radio stuff for the thing, and Cheap Trick comes in in their van, their shuttle van. And Rick Nielsen is in the passenger seat, right? The guitar player from Cheap Trick. And Rick Nielsen said, hi. And Bill looks over at me and he says, did he just say hi, Andy? And I looked at Bill and I went, yeah. So I let that little white lie slide for a few years. (laughs) I let him think Rick Nielsen knew me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Bill Bill and I go back when he was with the oldies. Yeah, 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 a long time ago. Um, Your name, is it... Your real name? Yeah, Andy it is Riley? now. Uh, I it lived at now. home. Okay. It is now, yeah. Okay. I lived at home when I first started. Uh, my mom 
had the idea in her head that people, if I used the family name on the radio, um, that people would be looking it up in the phone book and calling the house at all hours of the night and all this kind of crap. Well, I picked a name. I picked O'Reilly just a one step off her maiden name, which is O'Hara. Oh, okay. So we, I wanted something Irish and I wanted something that. And as time went on, it hey, just... Your mom is a Marine O'Hara or anything. No, nothing like that. No, her name, her Kathy O'Hara. Okay. Um, but um, as time went on, it was, it just got easier to amend it to be what it is now. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's never been really a big secret. I mean, when you grow up in West Michigan and yeah. you write checks and you are, it's never been a big secret. But um, that's where it came from. You know, um, you're not gonna, you're not going to call yourself the family name because I don't want the phone ringing off the hook all the time. And then there was a movie way back when called April Fool's Day, uh, old slasher movie, stupid thing. And the guy that played Biff in Back to the Future was in this. And he was screwing around in front of a video camera at the time. And he goes, hi, Mary O'Reilly O'Toole O'Shea. And that's where O'Reilly came from. Okay. Not much more to it. Huh. I wish I had a better story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, favorite station that you work for, favorite stations that you work for? Uh, there's, been, there's been two. I mean, three. Well, three. Yeah. Um, well, I, I take that back. Four. Um, KLQ. I, was the f- that I walked in off the street. I, yeah. I, had, I knew nothing other than that. Um, I went from a kid that was an intern handing out stickers after concerts to I had the plane tickets bought to go sign the paperwork to be syndicated Hmm. and that doesn't happen to just anybody I mean that doesn't happen to anybody Um, so KLQ will always hold a very very special spot in my heart I spent one summer on LAV um, which was fine. Uh, you know, it, it was just there. MRR, when I came out to 101.7 in Muskegon, that to me was the chance to really rewrite what radio could be in Muskegon. You know, we had we had everything fed in from ABC Satellite Radio. Um, I said, what if we built our own format? What if it was close to this? What if we upped it a little bit? What if we engaged the community a little bit more? What if we, you know, and, 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 we, and we did it with little or nothing. You know, we had to do it by tying into things that were already there. Like the Corley run uh, was a big thing for us. You know, we, we can't, we don't have the budget or the, the ways to get these things done. But if we spend all year collecting autograph things and auction them off for the Corley run, right. now we've got a little bit more, you know, it gives us a little bit more presence. So we found ways to engage and be a part of these other events and tie us into the community more and, and become part of that fiber that I said was so important. Um, 101.7 to me was my chance to be a part of a community I always loved because I just grew up in Sparta. And when I was a kid, there was nothing going on in Grand Rapids. Um, we came to Muskegon or Kalamazoo for everything because that's where the arenas were, you know. Right. Um, Grand Rapids now, great. Love it. It's awesome. Everybody has a great time. The arena's there. You know, they've, they've really... Uh, but when I worked in Grand Rapids, you could have shot a cannon off and not hit anybody. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those two surrounding markets were where we were for everything. Muskegon, even though when I first got here, the downtown mall was just coming down... We had a chance to start to re-engage 
things and, and, and be a part of the community better. And that's, that's what I will always remember about MRR and how we were able to do that. And we did it well. There was me, Bill Boat, CJ, uh, the sales gal, and the other people, you know, the sales staff and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But they all bought into what was going to happen and what did. So that was a big deal. Um, and now, um, Muskegon Channel Radio that we've built. Uh, it's all online. It's all on an app. It's all... It's a, you know it's a classic rock classic hits hybrid type thing. Um, it's very difficult to get people to change habits. Um, I thought that would be the easiest part of what we've done with rebuilding what we have mm-hmm. uh, through the Muskegon Channel, but it's it's a it's tooth and nail. It's a fight to get people to to say, all right, I'm used to FM, but there's this other option. If I just listen through my phone, it's been it's been it it's it's bloody knuckles every day hmm. but it's equally dear to me and to know that i've got Britta there on that with that with me is a big deal um to know that it's local to me is a big deal and to know that we reach farther than any transmitter uh that we've got left in town here is is also a big deal because now we really got a global reach with that right yeah right now you speak speak of Britta. now you knew Britta from what the the MRR and she was at Sunny FM. Is that got to know Britta back when we were both about nineteen, twenty years old? Yeah, um, she was young when she started, like you. Yeah, yeah, we were both yeah. kids. Um, we knew each other a little bit when we were young. We we didn't spend a whole lot of time together. We really got to know each other when we worked at MRR and Star One Hundred Eight hmm. by the drive-in together. I'd get off the air. She was just going on the air. She was in the process of having her kids. Um, it, it was awesome because there was just the five of us in that building. Um, Hey, can you read this one a book? Can you play with this one for a few yeah. minutes? Can you play? Yeah, I can do that. So, yeah. you know, I never had kids of my own. And, um, Did there they would call be. you Uncle Andy? No, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I was never like that. They were so little, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but it was always, they were just, what a unique opportunity to be able to share that part of life with somebody, you know. Because yeah. with, with just the five of us there, she didn't need daycare, you know. She right. just put them around the corner in a different room, and uh, there's their naps and all that, and it was it was great. So I'd pick them up and read them, read to them, or play with them, or whatever. And it was it just had our own little five person click there. It was great. Now, now, who else have you? Now, see, we got to talk a little bit about Dave. Now, you and Dave Cackley, yeah, yeah, used to have quite quite the uh, the routine back and forth. I Still mean, do. It was the it was the Bob and Tom show kind of. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's I it's a banter. It's a, yeah. it's a daily banter. It's a, it's a back and forth. Um, we do it now on the Muskegon Channel via video as yeah. opposed to the hourly type thing on the radio. We do it once a day now. Um, Dave came along after. I think he was actually the third or fourth partner I had. Um, as we brought news into the mornings mm-hmm. at, at, at MRR. Um, Dick McKay was one that I had. Uh, Dick was a Grand Rapids legend. Um, then I had uh, a couple other guys, and I, I it's terrible, I don't remember their name. But, oh, Rod Cackley. Uh, Rod, yeah, Rod, was, Rod. Rod was there. No relation. Not, they didn't even spell it the same way. Yeah. Uh, but then Rod got put in a position where he was writing for a paper and doing what we were doing on the rock radio station. Oops, sorry. Doing what we were doing on the rock radio station at the same time. Yeah. And the paper said, you know what? You guys push it kind of hard on the radio sometimes. Take your pick. So Rod actually picked the paper over the radio. 
And that's when Dave Cackley came in uh, with Metro Networks. And it's probably been... I don't even dare guess yeah, 15 it's years it's been yeah. a long time that we've been yeah. at it together um, now is he still doing 13 too or? yeah he's doing okay. 13 too he works for a company called Metro Networks right. um, so they farm him out to 13 and other TV and you know whatever he does um, he, he does traffic updates for multiple stations around the state you always like to see him when he goes out to eat too yeah yeah well that's all been shut down for a while you know yeah, we yeah, nobody's right. been doing much right, with right. the whole quarantine thing going on so but dave and i are, are as close to brothers as you can get i should say step brothers um we have our moments where i want to kill him and he wants to kill me um but i think that's <laughs> which always makes a good team that's part of it yeah, yeah. you know um it's it's been great and i even the days i dread that I know I'm going to go down and deal with him. It's still better than going out and actually working for a living because people, <laughs> you know, and it comes back to my actual, my theory of why I do what I do. Um, I had a job when I was a kid. Uh, I, I walked around a square all night and I put hair care products in a box and I listened to this guy on the radio and I won't give his name out because he's still alive. Um, all he ever said was what the temperature was and uh, what time it was yeah. and I'm working you know 6 to 11 or whatever it was putting hair care supplies in this box and every time I walk past that radio I, 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 I gotta like, stop you though I, did you have hair when you were doing the hair care stuff oh yeah, yeah oh, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> just check <laughs> I had an ugly mullet it was terrible um, all he ever said was what time it was and how hot it was and here I am in this warehouse doing something I absolutely hated right. because I had to that was my job right and I thought Every time I heard him turn that mic on, I thought, you son of a bitch, you're making my life worse by doing what you're doing. And every day that I went into radio, and still do, that's what's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Somebody out there is doing what they have to do to get by. It's my job to give them a momentary pause in their day. It's that mental break, even if it's a Facebook post or something I said on the radio or something we did with a video on the Muskegon channel now that's that's been my only goal for a little over 30 years now is to find a way to give somebody that break that they need yeah. in their mind yeah speaking of break did you do you have other people working with you now too or yeah we uh, I heard that Lynn, Lynn Grant might be working with you now um, Lynn had done some voice work for us in the okay. past right. um, when I started off to do start doing my own thing um, I started doing radio voiceover work in my studio at home. Right. Um, I put an ad on eBay um, saying we could do voice work, right? Um, it was $2.10 to listen to an ad on eBay for radio voice work, which turned into the first year a little over 35000 that wow. I made from that. Wow. Uh, I picked up a market in um, Lake Havasu City, Arizona, um, which was a hub for about five other cities around it. Um, there was one point that every voice you heard on that radio station, on that group of radio stations, came out of Muskegon because they were like we were at MRR. You know, they had the satellite fed music in, they had a sales staff, they had one air talent that would do the local weathers and stuff like that. I don't necessarily agree with that model for for a local community, but that's what they were doing, and we were putting out over 300 spots a month wow. for that radio chain from my basement in Roosevelt Park 
and we visited there a couple times and when you you fly into vegas you drive down to havasu you, you come out of the mountains down there into the gully where havasu is and all you heard were muskegon voices wow lynn That's britta brian me bill every everybody yeah. it was all you heard was muskegon voices huh. it was amazing yeah yeah so what happened to that though i mean that well that guy out there ran for congress he mortgaged all of his radio stations on the campaign and he lost yeah he dropped all of his outside vendors including us <laughs> and they just they've they've found another vendor since and i mean this is yeah it was a while 10 years ago or so yeah it was quite a while ago yeah but I'm just curious. I've never I've never heard that you could list it on eBay before. That yeah, we did. Kinda, I just put a little ad out there that said telephone voiceovers, you know, voicemail greetings, radio commercials, and all that. And they yeah. found us through that. And the, there there was a point where we were doing 300 plus a month. Wow. For that radio group out there, and then Comcast came along and we did the um, the real estate channel. We did their voice work okay. for the real estate channel, and that was a thing. That was easy money. I mean, I could click off. 90 or 100 of those things in an afternoon for 10 bucks a shot. <laughs> well, I got, I've got a video that, that I, I did with, uh, I can't remember his name now, but um, it was on the, uh, the the special needs kids that went. No more sidelines. No more sidelines. Yeah. yeah. You did the voice, voice work for that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, recognize it right away. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it, it's, it's been cool. Um, I, I would still love to do more voice work in my basement. I think that's fun. It's oh, engaging yeah. and it's cool. Easy. <laughs> I teach, but I teach it now too. Yeah. Um, we've got a young guy that um, he's he's with no more sidelines. That's where I got to know him. He's an actor, and um, Pioneer Resources came to me and they said he wants to act and he wants to turn this into something he can make a living off of. Can you teach him how to be a voiceover artist? I said, yes, I can. So now not only is he doing some of that himself, he's our announcer for our shows on the Muskegon channel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this, it's part of the, the gig is, you remember I told you about my early days and the people that really looked out for me. Yeah. I got to pass that along too. Well, yeah. There's got to yeah. be others that you look out for. Now, you've you've shared some of your favorite stories. Do you have anything else you think that you can that pops into your head that you gotta Boy, the you syndic- gotta get out? The syndication thing was that was a close call. Um, everything was lined up. I did this show back in the back in the day, if you will, called the Out of Control Saturday Night. And if people understand how radio ratings work, you do a little bit. Yeah, you know the numbers. Yeah. Um, and I'll just ask you for the for the viewer out there, um, what would you say is an ex- exceptional number in in radio ratings? An exceptional number. Yeah, if you if you if a radio ratings thing came back and it had a number in it, and you saw that number, you'd go wow. Oh wow! Let's see. A share point. Give me look at twenty five share would be great. Twenty five shares, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did my show on Saturday nights um, from ten till two. Men eighteen to twenty, men eighteen to twenty-four. I had a sixty-three share. Yeah. Men eighteen to thirty-four, it was still upwards of around forty. Uh, men eighteen to fifty-four, it was still in the mid to upper thirties. It was big. Yeah. I was getting flown all over the country to help break bands. I was getting. 
you know, record credits. Hey, thanks to Andy O'Reilly for playing this. I, I mean, it was nuts. It yeah. was, and this was still when radio got its perks, right? So, hey, you want to come to Los Angeles this weekend? Sure. Tickets will be waiting for you. <laughs> and off you went. And it was, it was crazy. Um, Premier Radio Networks had it all lined up to go. All I had to do was fly out, sign the papers with this lady named Joan Barnowski. Um, they called her and they, they told her that they just canceled five shows and we're going to have no new ones added. Huh. And that was that. That would have been a national satellite-driven show every Saturday night. And that's the show that that Boatman was was nuts about. Oh, everybody was nuts about yeah, it. Yeah. That was so much fun. It was, and you know, I went into that show every week with one song in mind, and the listeners picked it out from there. Hmm. It had a theme. It had a it had an idea behind it that it was going to be hard and heavy. Yeah. I never ever did anything other than pick out the first song, and the oh. listeners dictated it. Really, it was mayhem. It was just it, the phones lit up at about ten to ten, and they did not quit until after I walked out the door. Yeah, just nuts. Yeah. My wife's kids used to listen. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're up in Hesperia trying to pick up KLQ from Grand Rapids <laughs> to pull it in. And they told me, you know, I, Cindy and I never came along to each other until much later in life. And the kids are like, they heard Rob Zombie was coming. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can go see that. Oh, we used to listen to you all the time. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> you guys were listening to me? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. That's, that's a cool thing to have, though, to yeah. have that. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was big. And I, I, I take a little credit for it. But it really comes down to the listeners because they they dictated that show and they made it what it was. They, I mean, they bought the records. They, the bands came to town that we played on that show and they sold out the shows. Yeah. Um, I remember being in Los Angeles at a conference and there was they have trade magazines, right? And um, there was one girl that they had in these these trade magazines named Peg Pollard. And she was on everything. Every record had something that Peg Pollard had to say about it. And we're standing around in this circle in Los Angeles. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Peg Pollard. And come to find out, they're like, hey, Peg, have you ever met Andy O'Reilly? She goes, oh, my God, that's Andy O'Reilly. And we're standing there staring at each other because all we'd ever seen each other in a magazine. Yeah. Right? And now we're still, you know, 30 years later, we're still BFFs through Facebook and yeah, life remember, and everything else remember the year that was <sighs> we talking 80s or 90s 92 93 okay somewhere in there yeah because yeah, 89 is when i came on um and then i think 92 is when not a control started so it was maybe 93 94 okay somewhere in there nuts oh. just crazy yeah i was I always tell, tell the story too when i was at rock 95 where the scorpions came yeah. and and we're sitting out there with a the rock 95 super van and we're playing Peter Cetera, so I mean, it just didn't quite, <laughs> just, just didn't quite work, you know. Yeah, yeah. wasn't quite the, quite the same. Yeah. Um, some of your few, like like you mentioned, some of your people that you've met. I mean, I know you could probably go on and on, but I mean, can you mention some of the the big ones that made an influence in your life? Yeah, the first the first big name that I met that was just overwhelming was Gene Simmons. Um, I couldn't talk. I, I was so freaked out that I was meeting Kiss. Um, it was at the L.C. Walker Arena. Yeah. Um, I, I literally tried to get a word out, and nothing came out. <laughs> um, I've gotten over that. Um, I've done great things with Kiss over the years. For a guy that got his first Kiss record when he was seven, I'll, I'll flash forward through the Kiss experience real quick. 
So I get that first record when I'm seven. Meet Gene Simmons when I'm about 22. Matt Kiss when I'm about 22. Uh, in L.A. one time, I got to do some stuff with Up Close and Personal with Kiss where it was me and the band and maybe a dozen other people. It was just a really tall, small, intimate little thing. Um, 1996, when they put the makeup back on, we were VIP guests of the record company down there through to see them at Tiger Stadium. Um, limos to the show, a two-floor hotel room of my own in, in Detroit, um, which I still stay at the same hotel every time I go to Detroit now because okay. I love the place. Um, and then that year for Christmas, um, I was leaving and this box came in it was huge it was just giant and I'm like who the hell what's this for who's this for and it looked down and it was addressed to me um, and there were two made I was told it was the, the poster art of you wanted the best you got the best all the way around it are baseball card size um, pictures of the band the whole catalog oh, okay. of all the Kiss albums oh, okay. of all time and it's autographed by all four original members of Kiss Wow. So, to say I haven't, and and I guess too, as the, as the reunion tours kept up, I did get to go out and introduce them at Van Andel Arena one night, which was huge. So that was to say I haven't gotten a, a fan's ultimate experience out of Kiss. I can never say that because it certainly was. It was That's great. Gotta be one of the biggest pluses for being radio. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I did. I did meet. I did meet Kiss the, probably the same night that you uh, you did. Yeah, because they actually were at the. I was working at the. Uh, the Hilton then. Yeah. DJing there. Yep. And they came into Hilton and partied there for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. It was it was that was like I said, everything that we did as kids and up until the arena went up in Grand Rapids was either here or Kalamazoo. Yeah. yeah. So lots of great experiences there. Um any, any other ones that, that uh, stand out? Uh meeting Charlie Daniels was a big deal. I met him at Summer Celebration toward the end of the toward the end of the run that Summer Celebration had. Um met Lemmy from Motorhead one day that was another speechless moment um who else I think you know meeting celebrities and all that other kind of stuff it's cool and it's fun and it's fun to get a picture with them and to say you did that but you know they're they're just they're in they're in the business you know they're they're just workers too um there are a few on my bucket list yet I have yet to meet Ace Freely um, from Kiss, I have yet to sit down and talk with Ace. I'd like to do that. I'd like to meet Jeff Lynn from ELO. Bad. Yeah. Um, Mark Knopfler would be another one I'd like to sit and talk with a little bit. When you meet Jeff, let me know too. I'll right. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you when they came to Grand Rapids, I pulled out every stop I could pull out, every favor I could call in, just to get even just a snapshot. Yeah. And it was not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm going to do it. Amazing band. Yeah, I really love them. But, you know, and then as time goes on, too, and you get over that whole starstruck thing, you realize that they're just people. They want to they give back. They want to entertain. They want to they make people's lives better through what they do. And when you get over it and you realize that they're just, it's like, hey, let's do something cool together. And then, then you can move on to who you're really fans of. Like Ernie Harwell, I got to know. Oh, man. Um, that was wow. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, met some astronauts over the years. Guys that have been to the moon. I mean, how do you beat that? Right. And we and we did we talked about that earlier yeah. before we went on, is that uh, yeah. Al, Al Ward and I got a chance to videotape him. Yeah. And you got a chance to... Uh, we really did a great long interview with him, with him. Yeah. And, um, and then spent some time with him off the air, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, who else? I met um, Paul Tibbetts who flew the Enola Gay. 
That's a pretty historical figure. Uh, he was at Airfare here in Muskegon a few years ago. Um, he's given a presidential merit coin from the Ford family for a thing we did for the veterans' home. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, once you get past the starstruck thing, yeah, they're they're just they're people. Yeah, and you just that it's it, it's awesome and it's fun. I can't play that down for a minute. Um, but they're they're just folks too, yeah. you know. Yeah, but the but the memories are, are yeah the memory cool. the memories they're are cool. amazing and the and you know what to bust out a bust out a few pictures once in a while and hey here I am with Great White and here I am with Melissa Etheridge and you know all that kind of stuff. that that that's fun too. I've got a few things that are signed. Um, I always wanted more of the picture yeah. than something signed just yeah. to say that I did this because I think when I'm dead and gone I don't think there's going to be a whole lot left to remember of me. Um, so maybe they can look back at those pictures and say, you know, there, there, there was somebody there. Yeah. And, you know, look what he did. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of sad. I, I got a tear in my eye already. <laughs> Too bad the good, you know, good thing the camera's not on me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, how many, as far as how many years, you've actually, you're still kind of in radio in a, in a really? sense. I mean, in a, in, in a unique way. Do you want to go elaborate on that a little bit more? Or well, what you do now? Well, what we do now, you know, I started... I, when I left radio, I took the job in NASCAR, um, which was on. But there you go again. You yeah. know when you, you know you shift gears into one world of being around superstars and and all this other stuff. Then you get into a bigger world of it yeah. uh, in the in the Sprint Cup series. It was Sprint Cup at the time, and Richard Petty is your neighbor any given weekend. I mean, get over that quick because right. you're going to see Richard Petty every time you turn your head. Um, it was it was awesome. It was a fun year to go out and just clear your mind. Um, I came back and I tried a couple of jobs and nothing really seemed to fit. Um, so I bought this GoPro camera, and one of the, one of the jobs I had I would I would write about their company products on their free blog program. Um, and on Fridays, instead of writing about their garbage cans or whatever else they were selling, um, I would write something nice about Muskegon. Um, it didn't work out and I'm like okay what's next Uh, clearly I can't be retrained clearly I can't work in an office environment like a grown up Um, what do I do so I talked my wife into letting me go and buy this GoPro six months same as cash on the Best Buy card and um, I start this blog called Positively Muskegon wasn't even sure what direction I was going to go with it and um as I am I going to be funny on this thing am I going to you know don't know I don't know how to edit video I don't know how to I, I don't know anything um, I'm sitting in a woman's garage in Wolf Lake one day and if you don't know Wolf Lake um, it's pretty cramped and it's not exactly what you'd call affluent uh, they're good people they really are and they're tight knit neighborhood and they're but they're just they're working class yeah. Muskegon um, and she's going to do a thing at the VFW Hall for kids at Christmas. You can decorate a cookie. You can send a card to a soldier. You can um, visit Santa. You can wrap your parents' presents, that type thing. And me and her four girlfriends are sitting around this camera, which is this big. And she's telling me what she's doing and why and why it's important to her. And it all snapped. You know, I've got this voice. I've got this platform. I've got social media now. I can take what she's doing and make her count. Right. Even if even if ten people see it, 
what she did had a little bit more relevance to it. So we package it up. We put some links in there. We, you know, here, here's how to get to the party. Here's when it's happening. Not only, okay, so we give her, we've given her an advertising tool. We've given her a way to take an article that's done about her and say to her friends, she can go, look what, somebody noticed what I did. Um, and then we can start spreading this thing through social right. media, right? Um, when that got to about 350,000 page views, um, through the stories over the years, um, we thought we could grow. Positively, Muskegon needs to stay what it is, though. And that's the little guy who does something with nothing because there's a lot of people in Muskegon who do that. Um, so from there, we looked into it a little bit more um, and we, we started MuskegonChannel.com. Our, our, our slogan there is we have a new story to tell. And that's based on the fact that for so long, Muskegon's narrative has been Somebody got shot or some liquor store got robbed. By the way, over here in this town, everything's peaches and cream. Look at Muskegon. It's a dump. Yeah. It's not the case. Muskegon is a great, great community. And for us to never hear anything other than, you know, what, or, or see, see a dirty alley or see some, you know, this kid got shot here or this, that, that, that's just not our story. Um, so we started to do a little bit more of that, started to tell our story a little differently. And if there's, there's, if there's a battle to be had, let's do that. But let's do it in a way that's not finger pointing. And let's do it in a way that's not accusatory. And let's do it in a way that, that's not necessarily sensational or clickbait. You know, we, we, we would just as soon grow a little slower and build a great base underneath us with what we're publishing than we would to grab those instant clicks, grab a bunch of cash real fast, and burn out. Um, over time so you know we'll, we'll we'll take on a story that's got two sides of it but you're going to tell me your side and then we're going to you know cut we're going to roll over into the other guy's side of the story he's going to tell you your side yeah. and then the audience can pick it out right. that, that's that's the only difference we, we don't need 30 second clips of people telling us what to do or you know this is what you're supposed to think and you know yeah. it's going to be different um, so that grew um, then we put Muskegon Channel Radio on, which was Ski Town Stereo before. Um, and then from there, um, as we grew, you know, we used YouTube at first for our video content. Then we found this other server, which gave us access to Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So now we, we put all of our content into this other server. And now we've got these apps for Roku and Fire TV and all this other stuff. Now we've got a national audience, yeah. which has been a big part of, of what we fought against is that, you know, our, our local radio stations are great, but our two big ones, they're run as Grand Rapids radio stations. So if you want to get your message from Muskegon into Grand Rapids about something going on in Muskegon, you're paying that rate of Grand Rapids and you're probably not going to get the value that you need, right? right. As, a, as, as an advertiser. Um, and this is nothing against our local people that still work in radio here in town because I love them all. But it's just not fair to us as a community to have radio stations that can't reach outside of it. Right. So how do we get our message farther out than Coopersville? We have to use what we're allowed to use, which is the Internet. And now we've got Amazon Fire. And now we've got Roku. And now we've got a cable channel, which is Channel 96. So 
and we've got Roku and Fire for that too. So now we're not just limited to a cable channel with TV either. Now we can take all that content, put it on that on-demand platform, and people anywhere in the country can watch original so, programming coming out of Muskegon. If they go to Roku, what, how, how would they find you? In a channel store, just like anything else. Muskegon okay. Channel and Channel 96 are both available okay. for free. In, in Roku and Amazon Fire TV. I'll have to get that. Please do. Yeah. And they're and they're gorgeous. I mean, uh, my buddy Derek that helps, uh, he's kind of the behind-the-scenes guy. Yeah. Um, he's got everything categorized and sorted out. What's new? Here's here's the here's a series. Here's the exercise show. Here's this. Here's that. I mean, it's all it's and it's all in 1080 HD and it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It's just amazing. And then, and then to sit there and actually watch it behind the scenes when we can see people popping up watching it all over the country, what county they're in, what city they're in, what state they're in, what country they're in, blows my mind. Yeah. It's, it's just unbelievable. So now do you get commercial advertisers to help you back this? Or? We do. Um, that's my big push right now is I need a salesperson. I need yeah. somebody that can go out and sell what we've got because I'm so busy creating content. Um and, and honestly, I'm not that good at valuing myself, let alone everything we've built. Yeah. Um, we've got we've got great sponsors on our page. In fact, this is, a, this is a good year for us because on our one page on the Muskegon channel, we've had quality tool and stamp on for a little over a year. He just crossed a million page views on his ad on our on our page. There you go, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then you know Here's your Arbitron. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I know, right? Arbitron. Yeah. <laughs> that joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, so for him to have a million views on his ad on the one page, that's amazing. Um, and we keep it so affordable. I mean, Muskegon doesn't have an awful lot of money. I know that because I live here, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not destitute by any stretch of the imagination. But to ask some exorbitant fee for somebody to advertise, it, they just can't afford it. You know, so we keep things really affordable. Our reach is growing day after day after day. We've got room to put more stuff on. We could do video overlays. We can do radio commercials. We can do, uh, you know, web static ads. We can, you know, we can build video content for other people. I know that's your gig, so we don't want to take anything off your plate because that's not the way we work. But. Um, I don't like to work much these days. Right? <laughs> Who does? <laughs> but, you know, we've we've just developed and grown into not only the broadcast end of things, but the business-to-business end of things, too. Um, we just finished a great series for Taste of Muskegon, highlighting all of our local chefs that they're pushing out through social media, which will, at the, when they get done with their releasing of everything, we're going to put them on our TV channel so they can go back and watch and, and, and say, hey, look what we do here in Muskegon. This is what we do. Um, and... A, a part of us too and you know 30 years in broadcasting there, there's there's a gear turning or two up here yeah. a part of all that we've done too is to force the other media outlets to look at us differently you know quit telling our story and I won't name names but it was last summer one of the TV stations from Grand Rapids was out here after somebody had gotten shot and they didn't even have the kid's body out of the car yet and they were on Facebook live yeah. going Look what happened in Muskegon. Yeah. And I know this will be seen by a wide audience, so I'll leave the, the language out that I called their news director with, but it was ugly. I let them have it. I said, you have to stop painting our community like this because yeah. it's not true. Well, you know, the, the, the worst thing, too, back, I don't know how far back you go in Muskegon, but that was the one thing I always found about the Muskegon Chronicle. 
I mean, Muskegon Chronicle was the Muskegon paper, yeah. and it picked on Muskegon all the time. It was it was like one of the Muskegon's worst enemies, as far as I could see. So we yeah. we 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 need to see ourselves better. We need outside communities to see us better. We need healthy and active media that adds to the solution, not sees how much it can take away and right. give as little back as it can. Right. Uh, and that's that's my goal. Um, I want, and I know we're small, and I know that that we're not seen by as many people as you would get on a tower or have any money to market things and get billboards up to generate awareness and all that other kind of stuff. And I know since all this started in 2015 that it, it's it to, to most people I I think they think it's gone faster than I do, but the reality of it is is that it's 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 grown fast. But from the guy behind the camera, it feels like a long road to hoe. Oh yeah, um, and it's worth it. It is if if I died tomorrow. I mean, my name's not going to be written on any buildings. They're not going to rename any streets after me. Um, but, and you've heard the story, I'm sure. I came here with a death wish and a couch. I, I had an alcohol problem. I had, I drank about two gallons of whiskey a week when I first moved here. Um, this town knew to love me before I knew how to love myself. Yeah. And I, I owe it to leave something better than I found it. Um, and that's what I'm willing to do on my end of things. And, and am I getting rich off it? No. Um, am I okay? I mean, clearly I'm not starving to death. <laughs> I mean, you take one look down and you can see anything ain't going hungry. But I, we all have something to give back. And if I can make that, or at least start that change of look better at yourself, see better in yourself, from that woman in Wolf Lake who wanted to do a Christmas thing for kids to the president of the Community Foundation to the guy that runs Mercy Health to, I mean, and these are people that we've picked up all through this process. I mean, you know, we start off with a GoPro that's this big and a microphone that's that big. Now we're doing live television with the real power people in Muskegon once a month. And this is this is how we got to grow this and it just takes time and patience and it's what i have to give back okay well i wish you the best of luck i mean is there anything else that you wanted to say about the business as far as to anybody out there um it's watching right now media is media is a business it's an art and it's also an engine um it needs to be an elemental part of all of the community it needs to be engaged it needs to be active it needs to be a part of your life um this idea of everything just getting fed in because it, if it works in lincoln nebraska it's going to work in muskegon i don't subscribe to that for a second yeah. I, I really don't uh, we're unique we're our own town we have a true need to get the word out uh, i mean we have a true I mean, you can listen to the big box stores ads on on the radio all day long and you know what i shop at a big box store i'll go to home depot i'll get what i have to have but when those ads come in on a national buy for pennies on the dollar and the guy at the ace hardware in whitehall can't afford to buy the advertising to compete against that now you got a problem 
Yeah. That guy at the Ace Hardware needs to have that voice too because after a while, you're going to forget he's there. It all needs to play into who we are and what we are. It needs to be local. It doesn't even have to be perfect. And if you want to start something, I'll support you. <laughs> you know, I've got other people that have started these things up, bloggers and Facebook Live people and other authors of websites and things. I know of four other Positivelys, no, three other Positivelys that have started around the country. I know of two more that are coming in Michigan right now that are being developed. And this is where these all start, these local, small, organic homegrown media things yeah. and if if you're patient and your heart's in the right spot and you do it because it needs to be done it will work out and it's important that it has an active role in your community and not just shoves it down your throat all right thank you sir thanks for having me honored to be here